0: You're listening to Version Control, pounding rains digital news podcast.
1: It's been nine years since pound and grain was born 2010 was the year of our inception and it sure was a simpler time katy perry's california girls topped the charts the social network made zuck a household name and instagram hadn't even launched yet
0: oh how things have changed one thing that has remained the same though are the principles that pound and grain was built on after nine years our five rules remain work hard be nice think big love digital and have fun Having this at the core of who we are has proved successful over our almost decade-long adventure as a digital agency. It's what has fostered an environment of being original, independent, fearless individuals creating big ideas and helping our clients succeed.
1: Speaking of which, in nine years we've created a lot of cool stuff. Each year we took on projects that challenged us, allowed us to try new things, and ultimately helped us grow. To celebrate our anniversary this year, we've brought together some of the partners to reminisce on all 3,285 days of Pound and Green's existence.
0: Version Control presents our nine year retrospective.
2: You guys moved in on top of a Burger King, right? God, those were the days. What did it smell like? Well, the building itself. Had
1: like a copper elevator or like metal elevator, so it smelled like blood or scabs, <laughs> <laughs> and the office looked like it had never been cleaned before. Other than that, it was an amazing office. But all day long, you you smelled Burger King fries.
2: So at any point, Sandy, did you go and visit these guys when they were on top of a Burger King, and like, were you like, I no way, like you, you know what? I missed that whole
3: chapter.
1: Yeah, it was only, yeah. it was like. Like May to, like September, maybe October, we moved to Gastown.
2: Oh, okay. So it was pretty quick. So that was like a short term. On top of a Burger King was like a short term stay. Yeah, there was also like a guy living on the same floor in this office building. First employee? No, no, (laughs) no, no, no.
1: But it was it was just like a it was a weird space. They were built. They were doing the construction for the Canada line and so they were bringing a building down beside it and then there was people totally There was a guy living in one of the things. And there was a lot of awkward people showing up at the door. Did did you
3: find like did the smell of fresh blood did did that like help from a new business perspective? I don't think I
1: don't think it was super helpful from a new business perspective. You know, Rocky drinking raw eggs kind (laughs) of thing, you know? I mean I don't know if it was fresh blood. It just kinda smelled like that weird, kind of scabby kind of weirdness. (laughs) Yeah. Like iron. Uh, It smelled like iron, which is bloody, right?
3: Yeah, you know, I do remember Scott by when when you know my my exposure in the new office there was the Front of the office that we occupied But then there was the back of the office that was called the zombie room that was completely unfinished and you know legend had it that when uh, Jackson and the gang moved in there were boxes and boxes that were marked highly confidential destroy (laughs) And nothing in them had been destroyed, and it was a bunch of like blackberries, uh, et cetera, uh, from the outgoing the, 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 provincial the, the, party. The
1: destroy yeah. was like voter records. Like it was like oh, it was like data of the provincial election because it was like the B.C. Liberal Party office. They lost that campaign and then abandoned the office. So there was like half cups of moldy coffee and like amazing boardroom tables and TVs and like so it's like the midnight run kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I you mean, guys
2: just jumped on the space though. You're like, we need some space. This is cool. These guys are gone. We're, we're getting in there. Uh, yeah. I mean like
1: we were sharing space with SPAC, our like agency friends in Vancouver. So they'd helped us out with that room above the Burger King, which was a great, it was like a little starter pound and grain office. And then they were like, do we're going to move cause it sucks here. And smells like blood. And uh, I don't think they ever called it like that. But <laughs> anyway, and then we, we got there and it was very cubicalized. It had like a bunch more offices and stuff. And then over the course of like three or four weeks, I spent weekends with their crew just demoing walls. Nice. Yeah. That could have been fun. And ripping up like old carpet and uh, drywalling. Badly, uh, places that we'd ripped off like wainscot, wainscoting, like the wainscoting,
2: wainscoting. Yeah, that's like like trim and stuff like that. It looked super weird. So in the in the sort of timeline of the Pound and Grand history, then that was that wasn't when we were. It was just Graham and yourself. No, Graham, Graham
1: and I uh, were in that office, and we had no active projects so we we started in that first office above the burger king we had no actual product projects we spent the first three hours of the day putting our desks chairs together and trying to clean the floors more uh than they were because it looked like the aforementioned dead body had been there (laughs) and uh by the afternoon we had like three jobs what were those three jobs? One was a website, because we'd launched a website the week before for our friend, Erica. Uh, she was like a blogger influencer called The Style Spy. So we'd la- relaunched her website and all of her fans like loved her new site. So we got like a sweet, sweet uh, hookup with the Burnaby Heights Business Association. Burnaby Heights, the Heights Business Association. It's been so long. Um, and we, they, it was their year end, so they had to give us like half up front, like that afternoon. Nice. So that was a good afternoon. So and you then, could buy
2: lunch is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then we, we got two other kind of banner projects from our like former bosses at like a gaming company that we'd worked at before we started pound of grain. So like by the afternoon
2: we were like doing stuff. So at what point in this sort of journey did you and Graham kind of uh, like have that conversation? It's like, you know what this, this company needs? It needs Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that far after that. Like, and like, how did that go? Like, and, and like, how did that pitch go for, for you? Like when they, they, you didn't get brought into the Burger King, but you got brought into the zombie room, it sounds like.
3: No, I you know, I, I knew that I was looking for what would be next for me. And I was in talks, I was fortunate enough that I had a few opportunities. And there was this one where there was this, uh, if you remember this, but it's another one of these Sandy ideas, but there was this tech company that wanted to be more of an agency and, you know, from my perspective then, and now being able to take a tech company and turn that into a creative agency, that's like, you know, CRISPR level DNA splicing. (laughs) And rather than do that, I just thought, well, well, here's Jackson and, and Graham and Tara doing pound and grain and here's this tech company, maybe we could join them together and create something. And uh, I invited them over uh, to my house, cooked them some steak. That's
2: well, that uh, sold. Yeah, right? <laughs> By, yeah. Uh, <laughs> filet <laughs> mignon. I believe. Heat yeah. of my heart is always <laughs> and, steak. And
3: uh, you know, just just talked about it. And and you know, even before that, like when I was looking for other things. I, uh, you know, my, 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 as I always say, my excitement for pound and grain while I was still uh, the other agency went from, you know, I was, I was, uh, excited about what they were doing and really proud of them. But slowly that turned to jealousy and then anger, kind <laughs> of a, but, uh, so anyway, but I was like, well, you know what? I want to be there. And, uh, so I pitched them on this idea and fed them the steak and I guess one thing led to another and. You know, paraphrasing, but it was really well. You know, Sandy, we love the idea of you joining. This is this is more than a hobby for us, and love to have you as part of the team and, and your skill set. But we don't need that other tech group who have since gone out of business seven times over, I believe. <laughs> and uh, you know, it just really it was just changing my mental space from going from an established place with a paycheck to something that was completely unknown. But I think again, the benefit that I had a few offers on the table elsewhere. I was like, well, it's nothing to lose. I totally believe in these guys in terms of not only what they've accomplished, but the potential for what's possible. So it wasn't a hard decision for me.
1: Yeah. So you, I would, I would say like, yeah, there was probably a couple of times you came over for a beer when we moved into that new space mm-hmm. at, three, two, six West Cordova uh, in Gastown where we'd, we had that little room at the front of that office and we yeah. had a, People, then we like punched through the wall to like create a lounge, and probably like over the course of time, like every time you came, there was like a new human there, and we'd punch through a wall, and like that was probably exciting to see us like totally actually succeeding with our IKEA desks and our like no frills uh, uh, decor. It was, but I mean, it was also the projects too, like. Uh,
3: You were working on some really cool stuff for electronic art. Uh, Why Yoga website had launched. And it just, that got me really excited. Made me realize, you know, why why I got into this
2: in the first place. So actually, that's, I always thought that you and Tara kind of joined around the same time, but it sounds like Tara was there before. How did you, how did you guys convince her to come to the light side, let's say? (laughs) I
1: think she just saw that we were, like, doing it. Like, she was kind of, like, in the background, like, helping on some, like, finance things, and and just, you know, she had a good-paying job working for Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> and then you poached her. I'm apparently not, I wasn't keeping her busy enough. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much time difference there was between um, Tara coming on. I think she came on in that fall and Sandy wasn't too far behind that. Like, I don't know if it was that fall or like, it was pretty close. It was. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing that we don't have that all documented. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in our records. I'm sure. Yes. Right. Yeah, I mean, for yeah. sure. Yeah.
2: All in those boxes that said, please destroy in the back room.
1: Those weren't ours.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess like, uh, like, from the beginning of the agency though, you guys always, you and you and Graham at the very least, kind of had some principles that we still kind of follow. But when did those actually kind of get documented and when did you start using them as a way to kind of set the stage on what this agency is versus any other agency?
1: God, great question. I think we had them... I don't know how it really came about. It was pretty organic, I think. Like, um, the five rules, I think out as something just for us to like, oh, it'd be cool if we had some things that lined up with how we see the world. I think it started in some pitches where we like said, like, you know, we capped our proposal and that was probably driven more from Sandy than anyone else was like, you know, they have, most of our clients have their own philosophy and, and, you know, kind of here's how, how we do things. And then we got, we could answer that and kind of fit them into. Kind of how we see the world and and that was how the kind of five rules kind of came about and then we started putting it everywhere we put it on the walls we put it on like the back of our like leather notebooks um it's all over the website it's on the website yeah what are the five rules (sighs) nick you should know these you 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 had our onboarding recently that's true let me take my shirt off because i've got a tattoo
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh,
2: are are we actually quizzing Nick? All right, go. Yeah, yeah.
0: Love digital. That's one of them. Yeah. Hustle. No. Be
1: (laughs) nice.
2: Fix it in post. Yeah. Fix it in
1: post. Be nice. Be nice. Yeah. (laughs) Those are the only two. Work hard. Work hard. No dogs. No (laughs) dogs. That's that's true, but that's not one of our like grounding principles that you can't have a dog. That's part of our lease, Nick. Uh,
2: Dance like no one's watching.
1: Definitely number seven, but like in our top five.
2: It's work hard, (laughs) love digital, be nice. Uh, What am I missing? Think big. Think big. and Have fun. uh, Have fun. Yeah. There we go.
1: Yeah. All the things that like you need to do. Like, I think like that was what distinguished us. The the work hard part, the hustle part was always something that like we, I think our first website said that we were like always open. Um, That wasn't necessarily... True, but <laughs> it kind of was. Like if someone emailed, emailed us later, we needed to do something, you just find a way to get it done. Um, and the be nice seemed to be like part of an extension of that. Like you can't just work hard and, and be a jerk about it. Like that that's part of our, you know, kind of high touch kind of customer experience. Like you want to work with people that are nice and you want to work with. Like that has to be part of the equation. And I think like to Sandy's point, you know we're a digital agency but if you're just a tech company that's where sometimes that like human element gets lost um, the, the the be nice makes us feel a lot more human than traditional tech partners that we've worked with who are like you know they're, they're very good at what they do but not exactly um, adept at like the human side of things where in tech so much can and will and does go wrong the nice part is a really great backup to when things don't go your way.
2: You are kind of like touching on like what I, what I think a lot of people want to know too, is like what made you want to start this, this agency?
1: Oh, we thought we could do it better than a bigger agency. Like I, th- I think Sandy tells it better than anyone. Like the, the frustrations of working with a big global, a, a bigger agency and where the money goes when clients give you their money
3: yeah I, I, I think you know the way I'd put it is seeing to, to quantify it you know 40, 50, 60% of the budget going to you know an army of client service people so that by the time the creative brief actually hits the creative team there's very little budget left That's that just makes no sense and you know there are those who argue the pendulum will constantly swing between the large shops and the boutiques but we really felt and particularly with digital and now we're seeing it even more so with social uh the need to get in market with something of quality quickly uh is is a paramount importance and that's just not possible in the larger agency structure
1: and i think like that's the the bat the existential battle is that too much to say like no that that we're kind of constantly always like if we add more people or now we have two offices is like how do you continue to deliver upon getting to the the work as efficiently as possible and not spend a lot of time talking about doing the work um because that's
2: the most painful part right yeah i mean in terms of like setting the agency apart, it's, it's definitely one of the things that I, I know from just working here that we like to talk about. But I guess in terms of like from a new business perspective, Sandy, like you pitch all the time. What mm-hmm. was the first pitch for Pound and Grain like for you? And like how long after you joined the team did they throw you to the wolves? Yeah, I,
3: you know, I actually remember we, my first day we just got word that we had pitched this restaurant chain and weren't successful. And so I had not been part of that and I took the opportunity to reach out and say, hey, I'm, I'm the new guy here. To, to the, you know, now not client or never was client and said, you know, I'd appreciate some honest feedback. And it was interesting. They, they, they basically said, we seemed a bit too uh, gritty and unkempt for them. Uh, <laughs> so you know, not nothing that like a quick trip to the barber and uh, and uh, fixing the office couldn't do. But I, I thought you know that was interesting and and honest feedback. But that aside, uh, you know, I, I remember being blown away by the the deal flow and the the how many possible potential opportunities were coming through the door. And I think having come from one of those larger Read more expensive agencies. That just wasn't stuff that, that, that the volume wasn't there in terms of opportunities. So, you know, I remember going in and starting to to crank out proposals and get pitches pretty much right away, which which was great. There was no uh, twiddling my thumbs and waiting. the The opportunities were there. You know, of course, you know, m- many of them maybe weren't the right fit or didn't have the right budgets or needed something launched two weeks ago type of thing. <laughs> But, it, but in general it was from from day one there was opportunities to to pitch
2: that's cool so like you you came in with the intention of kind of spreading the word a little bit about like the, the values of the agency and and what we're capable of doing and it was less about you necessarily hitting the payment and more just answering the call for a lot of these companies in Vancouver
3: yeah i think it was about you know being able to help talk about uh, strategic solutions for client and, you know, uh, really stewarding the brands and, you know, being able to talk about what that would look like should we engage.
2: So was that, did you find that that was like a glaring need in the market when you kind of came on board in Pound and Grain and saw it as an opportunity for the agency to kind of slide in there and help a lot of people?
3: Yeah, I, I think initially it was still a lot more tactical opportunities. We need a website. We need an app. We need the kiosk built. And thankfully over the years we've shifted towards this is our marketing challenge or opportunity. We know you're digitally minded. How can you help us? So it's less about any particular project now, but initially it it was very project oriented. But it's been it's been great to see that shift, but that was, you know, we had to pay our dues. And I, and I think really when I joined, it was a real sweet spot where Pound and Grain and the quality of our work was incredibly undervalued for, for, for what people were getting. People were getting a great deal on the type of work because um, given it was Graham, Jackson, and Tara, you had an incredibly capable, experienced team that were able to get to the finish line with an incredible product uh, in a fraction of the time of any of our competitors. And I think to Jackson's point, that's still what we are trying to do. And the trick is, you know, how do we ensure that we can do that as we grow and span two offices, et cetera.
2: So you kind of touched a little bit on like paying our dues and some of the types of projects that Pound and Grain did early on. I was specifically asked by Tara to talk to you, Jackson, about the first all-nighter that you guys pulled in the Pound and Grain offices for a particular website I think it was the first one was we we
1: want a mandate with um, Rutgers University to build their like teen to teen sex education website and it it was pretty massive to rebuild because um, it was mostly a blog format so we were rebuilding um, that and then kind of refreshing it and you know making it amazing it's we still, to this day, still work with them and keep it um, uh, the lights on on that one, um, which is a pretty special relationship to continue to work with with some amazing people down in in New Jersey. But I think it all came down to like migrating um, some data over from their forums, which seems quaint in 2019 to be talking about forums. But we had to like reskin and and migrate their forum content over to the new system and i think from like 10 p.m till 6 a.m we tried it like three times and it would go like 70 percent of the way and then like die Ugh. and we kept trying it and then in the morning and it had to be launched that morning um or else I don't know why, what, what, what the big, <laughs> the world, would the it, world, yeah, <laughs> it always seems like it's something super critical. I'm going a conference or something. And, uh, yeah, it was like going through the two, the three AMs and I around, I think just after midnight, I kind of looked up like what was still open. So I thought I'd go proactively get us some like snacks. We had a couple developers, Tara and I were still there. Um, there was nothing Tara and I were doing. We were just like providing moral support. Um, I got us some toothbrushes, (laughs) which Tara is still super thrilled that that we had like a a toothbrush for the morning and we just kind of wrote it out. Hygiene first. Yeah, and I don't know, the last last migration we did, um, like after some tweaking of things, like we crossed our fingers and it like actually worked. We high-fived. I think that was around like 6.45 in the morning and um, brushed our teeth and had some more snacks and looked... As people started, I think Graham came into the office not shortly after that and was like, "What are you guys doing here?"
2: <laughs> but that's that that's the hustle, right? Like that's the hustle that we kind of like thrive off of still. Like even though we're not trend like we're not transcribing forums anymore, um, but there is just sort of this like weird uh, lifeblood that flows through both offices where even if it is a late night, it's just kind of fun. To do it, whether or not you get to brush your teeth or not. <laughs> um, but I think that's pretty cool, and that's kind of something that you guys set up in the very, very beginning. Without with like those first offices, because I remember when I came in the first time, it was before you had blown out the first wall. I came to visit you guys, um, and that was super cool. Just to kind of see that it was you and and Graham was doing the majority of the design work. I think you guys had other developers, but it was mainly just Graham doing doing the design. We all had, on his yeah, own like way. our
1: first hire was a girl who was like half design, half code, Mm -hmm. like a bit of a unicorn. And then we kind of like added, we had an intern after that, um, who was a designer. Um, We met her at the old off, the first office. And then she like, her first day was like the first week at the new office. And then we hired another designer shortly after that. um, And then another developer after that. And we had a couple of like, you know, Almost full-time contract developers, like senior developers working on things for us at the time. Um, so we, we quickly like scaled up to like a little, a little team. So mm-hmm. Graham was still providing a lot of the design direction, but we quickly kind of like had more designers than than, uh,
2: than, uh, than we did six months previously. That's cool though. I mean because yeah. like, you kind of and it's, it says something to the quality of work that Pound was doing even nine years ago, right? Just kind of, it's got to be perfect. It can't, we can't, we're not just going to get it to a point where it looks good. It's got to look perfect, which I think is like from people that are trying to work in this agency, in this industry, like that's the key. Obviously you want to get paid, (laughs) not going to lie. That's Um, important. Yeah. But I think in the end you want to be able to show something for it. And for a lot of us, if not all of us, like that's that's the cool thing about yeah. this place is you can always, you always have really cool stuff to show for your time. Yeah. I mean it's a, it's a balance though. Like
1: it's that you, you want it to be perfect. You also want it to be out in the world. So, you know, I think we've always balanced the, do as good a job as we possibly can on every thing that comes our way, but like still deliver on, it has to get out the, the door. Yeah. Um, cause I think you can kind of get, um, Kind of caught up in paralysis like oh it's not quite right we need more time which mm-hmm. everyone wants that but like that that can't be the solution every time you kind of have to go out with it and the beauty of why we always love digital so much is that like you can go out and keep going from there but you can put a stake in the sand and iterate update optimize as you go um, the interesting thing about when we first started and and where I think some of the things... It was funny when Sandy mentioned, you know, that we were a little gritty and rough around the edges. Uh, I remember Graham's, Graham and I's first, like, government pitch. Um, we put in... This is when we were, we were fresh in the, the first office. We put in a proposal for a carbon offset division of the government. Um, called the Pacific Carbon Trust, which no longer exists. Like it was one of those, we're gonna provide an offset mechanism for things. And it was fairly, it was like a massive kind of website. And we put in the proposal, never thought anything of it, got shortlisted and had to go to Victoria to pitch it. And so Graham and I went in our usual t-shirts and jeans, probably gritty, as Cindy <laughs> might put it. And I always remember that like they were trying to be cool. It was like a cool government office. Like they had the like hanging bike racks and you know, it wasn't you know, your typical, you know, government client. Like oh that's a cool office, hanging bike yeah, racks. Yeah, I mean, Nick, it's, Nick it just still Nick's like ears a... just perked up. <laughs> Don't get any ideas. Uh but we yeah we made an investment we like p- purchased like plane tickets to go over. like we took the seaplane over that seemed like very like big for us like what are we doing here we're spending like four hundred bucks on plane tickets to go to Victoria for a pitch, and we got in there and we pitched just the two of us and you know there was probably like seven or eight people from the government in the room and then just the two of us two creative guys and we're talking about tech and. Development and all this sort of stuff because we didn't bring our whole team with us And then we walked out and there was like another agency that had like five guys All with like white shirts and ties on that were pitching it and like I thought at that point there was no way We're gonna win this and we did like they went for t-shirts and grittiness and and uh, That was a great little and the work was great. It was a great little uh, and project celebrated. I yeah, remember. it was a great little project
2: So that was in the first year Right? Yeah. So then you guys go from on top of a Burger King to Gastown. Tara and Sandy join. You knock down a bunch of walls. At what point did either the two of you or the four partners decide that it would be a great idea for Jackson to move to Toronto? (laughs) And why?
3: Well, I mean, it was a two-stepper. The first thing we determined was we need to be in Toronto. And maybe a three-stepper. And then it was the only way we'd ever open an office in Toronto is if a partner could go because that culture and way of doing things was so important to us. So then it was a discussion about, okay, well, who can go? And so I guess to, to back up then, we had seen some good success in Vancouver and realized that you know, we've never been about growth for growth's sake. It's always been about having enough of a team to take on interesting mandates that can really make a dent in the world of marketing and particularly how we can use digital technologies to change the way brands market to consumers. And that's what it's always been about for us and felt we needed to be of a certain size to do that and just really felt that it was hard to grow, to continue to grow at the pace we've been growing in Vancouver without reaching out to new markets. We looked south, uh, thought about Seattle, L.A., San Francisco, but really felt pragmatically is a good next step. We'd want to work on more national business. And before we looked to the States and, and felt that... Uh, only makes sense for us then to be in Toronto and to leverage any contacts we had here So that was really the thought process for that so we could take on more of that national work and Then it was a question of figuring out which partner was best suited to go there And I think Jackson was pretty quick to put his hand up
1: Well, te- technically I had like a chip on my shoulder of not I think I'd been born and bred from my father to like not like Toronto <laughs> Like, but then the Blue Jays exist. So, yeah, but I didn't like the. I, I honestly didn't like the Blue Jays until I moved here because really. Well, what? when they won the two worlds, <laughs> when they won the two World Series in Vancouver, I love that we're talking baseball. Thank you, Nick. This is great. <laughs> uh, when when they won the two World Series in ninety two and ninety three. Our team in Vancouver was not the Jays. It was Seattle. Mm. It was the Mariners. Like it was not go blue. It was like those are East Coast Toronto people. They play in a big dome.
2: I'd Seattle. argue that there were more Expos fans in Vancouver at the time. Probably
1: too, yeah. And the Expos do rule, so I'm not adverse to that. Um, but that that didn't really enter into it. It was more, yeah. I have nothing. I always was open for like new scenery and stuff. Uh, never had the opportunity to move anywhere for for work before, so I was up for it. And it just happened that my wife, who grew uh, was raised in Ottawa, really wanted to move back to Ontario, but hadn't really said anything. And she, I, I asked her like, if she'd be interested. And literally the next morning she texted me and said like, my transfer to Toronto goes in effect Feb 1.
2: <laughs> and I was like,
1: but, but we didn't even discuss it. And she's like, well, I, I have to be there for Feb 1 in the middle of that terrible, like minus 20 month of February. So what year was that? I want to say twenty fourteen or 2015.
2: 2015? Yeah. yeah, and so twenty fifteen, February twenty fifteen, we moved. So you moved full time here. What had already landed in Toronto, business wise, then, or had had anything landed, like so? When you were you able to hit the ground running?
1: I would say like we we, our experience. I, th- I think the funny story about Toronto was that Sandy and I came out and pitched a health company once where I really got a true sense of Sandy's driving capabilities. (laughs) I'll just say this, that like we were in a car to go, um, which is ridiculous for having me in it because I'm so big. Um, So it looks like a toy car. (laughs) And the meeting was in Markham? Believe so. The, The company had two offices. One was in Mississauga. One was in Markham we went to the wrong one and Sandy, uh, we realized that we were at their warehouse, not their office with about 20 minutes to the meeting starting. Um, Cause we were mostly on time and he, we got back on track. We emailed them saying we were gonna be a few minutes late. And then Sandy drove like, Uh, a professional race car driver uh it involved a lot of four lane kind of like drifting (laughs) uh, things that's
3: when i introduced you to the five lane change yeah
1: (laughs) it was was such a casual like no no look move of just like drifting through five (laughs) lanes uh across the the 401 well i
3: was emboldened by the fact that should we have been in an accident those cargos are you know like tanks
1: Sure. yes sure yeah we definitely would have survived that but i think it was that i think it was that trip where we we kind of like secured that branding and website project and it was it was really hard because we were coming back and forth a lot um like you'd come and set up a bunch of meetings then you'd show up half of them would get canceled i learned like early on that like Torontonians aren't as authentic about how hardened they are to the winter. Um, You know, like the minute snow starts, tons of people just like randomly start not, I can't come to that meeting today. I'm working from home, Um, which I guess makes sense on the highways and stuff like that. But like as a West Coast kid, you're like, they should be used to this. Like they should be able to drive through three feet of snow. Um, (laughs) But like it's the same in Vancouver. It's maybe just a different scale of of, uh, not wanting to to test the winter, but I think those, there was a lot of misfires in terms of meetings of we'd come out for a week, set up all these meetings, and then three-quarters of them would, would would bail out, and then we kind of tried different tactics where like meetings never really seemed to go our way, but like people loved drinking in Toronto, and they were much more adept at like meeting us for a casual drink than they were for We another... moved a
3: lot more
0: business that way. Yeah what, yep. do, they, what do they do in Vancouver instead??
1: Uh, green juice and like a, like a <laughs> one-on-one yoga. Go yeah. for a meeting jog. Yeah. 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 You know, it was, for the
3: most part, Jackson and I, this was pre-having an office here. We would use the Soho house as our base and bring people there. But I do look back fondly at uh, when we'd rented that whole house in, in Cabbage oh, yeah. Town. Yeah. And I, I think that was around TIFF because we were doing uh, you know campaign launch in and around that. But I think we had about five people working in the house. And my, my favorite was... So it was an Airbnb and within a half day of checking in, I got an alarmed call from the owners (laughs) saying that we'd chewed through their bandwidth allotment in half half a day,
2: (laughs) you know, cut to gram watching seven YouTube videos simultaneously. (laughs) (laughs) So that was pre-moving. I guess the, the larger question is like, if, if you are like a small company, like moving across the country and expanding across the country is like a huge decision. Is that something that, you're ever actually going to know is going to work because you you guys basically took a chance with this thing, right?
3: Yeah, I mean for 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 sure we wouldn't we knew it wouldn't be an overnight success, you know, obviously it's still a work in progress, but you know, we wanted to put a stake in the ground and you know, in Vancouver more or less we were on most marketers radar in some capacity whereas in Toronto we started really with that with a clean slate. We had some work maybe as a calling card and, and had, uh, the experience and, you know, to a degree, maybe it's fun to try the new agency in town, but, uh, it helped that
1: around the same time, like, you know, we were working with, with some clients that were either adding stores out here or like we were talking to their offices here or, you know, there seemed to be a, a, a bunch of, of great reasons to like have a presence here one way or the
2: other. Um, but was that like, did you know that or was that just like a, like something you took advantage of as it was happening? Cause it, it was coincidental timing.
1: I think that just like added some more check boxes to the, why we should be doing it. I mean, it wasn't, I guess as opposed to lots of other companies that do it, like we do everything pound and grain style. It's not like we immediately invested heavily in like, office space or fancy furniture or like the only thing that we really had to do was move my stuff out here and
2: kind of get going. Well, it did take some lobbying for myself to finally get a couch, but I'm gonna-
1: <laughs> <laughs> now there's so many couches yes, here. And
2: I feel very appreciated. Yeah. So I, so from your perspective, because I, I know Jackson's because he's lived out here, but you're kind of like, you're bouncing back and forth a little bit, or you didn't, and, and it's been a little, uh, almost five years now in Toronto. So from your perspective, like the growth here, has it, like, what's that been like for you to kind of watch from, from, from mothership essentially?
3: Yeah, well, I think it's been great to see. And thankfully for me, and I'm sure for Jackson too, now that we have two distinct full service agencies, you know, distinct in the sense that they're, we've got leadership teams, we've got people who can do the work in both offices. I'm not jumping on a plane nearly as much, nor is Jackson. You know, I, it, it's more just coming in, seeing how things are going. I think what's been most fascinating to me in a totally great way is seeing the culture develop here that's part of the broader pound and grain, but, but still distinct and and unique to this office and that that's been great to see and you know also to an extent based on the opportunities here um the the different types of capabilities that have emerged in this office versus the Vancouver office and you know now at a place where we're able to leverage each other's skill sets and learn from each other and of course we still work on clients and on, uh, and on projects across both offices. But it's, it's great to see that there's two viable entities.
2: So in terms of, uh, evolution of the agency as well, I mean, we've, we've grown literally across the country. Um, but just coming from, you know, working on the, the the city of Burnaby websites (laughs) to some of the stuff that we're doing now, can you guys talk a little bit about like what that evolution has felt like and how, how the agency has kind of grown in your eyes and if that's the, what you always envisioned or if you're just kind of along for the ride.
3: And I think the big one for me is n- now clients are coming us to us saying, this is our marketing challenge. This is our marketing opportunity. And that's what I always wanted. So feeling really excited about that. I, I think the other aspect of the growth that's really exciting is that we're working on a broad mix of regional campaigns, national campaigns, US based campaigns and, and global campaigns as well. And that's that's really exciting
2: to me too. What else about the future is kind of exciting from either technologically or trend wise or you guys talked about lunch earlier, like <laughs> <laughs> lunch is definitely a top priority for the future.
1: Uh, after that. Who know? I mean I yeah, I mean I think it just to echo Sandy's Sandy's point of it's amazing to see that, you know, our client mix, say back in 2012 to now in 2019 and see the, the differences in kind of what we're doing and the clients we're working on and the sort of sophistication of things that we're, we're working with both technologically or even just like how complicated the campaigns may be. It's, that's, you know, kind of was the goal was to, you know, the, the first couple of years, yeah, we were making some cool websites. We were making some cool little mini campaigns, but we weren't like, you know, really solving, you know, large companies, you know, massive problems. And it was, it was, I think the, the plan was always to try to get back to kind of the types of brands and clients we were working with, um, when we were working, um, at another large agency. And that was kind of like, could we do that was kind of job one and, and then how far can we take it from there? And, and I think the exciting part is, you know, we don't know what new technology or new thing that we'll have to figure out tomorrow or the next year or something like that. And that's what keeps it kind of always fresh and exciting. And, um, I think that's what I look forward to every day is just, as I, I, there's certain things that I love still doing that are the same things that we've been doing for the whole time, the whole nine years. Like, you know, is there anything better than a great, you know, simple banner campaign? Like, unbelievable. Banners are my favorite. But now that we can add video and pre-roll and social and, you know, retargeting and, you know, it's just other ways to tell those stories and tell a completer picture um, to help our clients, which is, is super exciting. And then you layer on top of that, augmented reality and, and you know, full-blown kind of longer form videos and content and and stuff. It gets really exciting of what we can do and, and, and how we can go about it.
0: It is notoriously difficult to lock down all of Pound and Grain's founders at one time. So... For our nine year retrospective episode, we managed to procure the time of Jackson and Sandy. Tara and Graham are mentioned repeatedly in the episode, but unfortunately were not available to talk. They were sorely missed. This episode was moderated by our creative director, Scott, and myself, Nick. Thanks for listening to Version Control our nine-year retrospective. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to rate us on iTunes.